Surely goodness and mercy. I like that song. I, I, I know it. I, it's been a long time since I sang it. I, I was sitting there thinking I, we must not have had that in, in Spanish. At least I didn't learn it in Spanish because I don't recall singing the verses. I know the chorus well, but uh, what a good song to sing and uh, kind of a catchy little tune. I hope you wake up tomorrow singing, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What a great song to wake up to. Sometimes I, uh, I do that as I just go throughout my day. Songs pop into my head, and oftentimes they're songs that we sang at church or we heard at church, and uh, they just kind of stick with you, and, and I like that. I'm, I'm grateful for that, to be honest with you. Proverbs chapter 27, we're going to cover the last few verses. We've been working our way through this chapter, and and as you know, I, I kind of try and categorize the verses because Proverbs are just that. They're many, uh, they're, they're just witty sayings and, and uh, very good witty sayings with a lot of wisdom behind them. I don't mean to uh, malign them by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but, but they're oftentimes uh, they don't flow like a passage. So there's just a lot of thoughts that are collected. So I try and put those in categories. In this passage, uh, we actually have one thought that, is, that runs throughout uh, verse 23 all the way through 27. It is one solid thought. And uh, as such, perhaps it would not fit as a proverb, as we would think of a short, witty saying, uh, but rather a con- it's constructed of several of them uh, that would go together. And uh, the whole idea and the thought behind these verses is stewardship in work. Now, what does steward? Uh, steward means, uh, and stewardship, what does that mean? Well, it means this, a man employed in a large family or on a large estate to manage the domestic concerns, supervise uh, other servants, collect the rent or income, keep accounts, and the like. In other words, that would be they would be a manager, we would call them today. Uh, so somebody who would manage everything. If you owned a hotel, you would have a manager that ran the day-to-day runnings of that thing and kept everything flowing for you. And so as we think about these verses, uh, I want us to think about our stewardship, our management of work and how that goes into uh, what we should do. According to Solomon, in these verses, uh, we're to be good stewards for the things we're responsible for and be wise and diligent with our possessions as well as perhaps the possessions that we may be responsible for. Uh, And I would say this, uh, that understand this, as a Christian, we ought to understand that everything we own is not really ours, but ultimately belongs to God. And if we think about that in that regard, if I think about, well, this suit, uh, this is my suit, and I went and bought it. No, no. Actually, God provided money for me to be able to go buy a suit, and this suit is God's suit. And this tie is God's tie. And these, these clothes that I wear, they're God's clothes. And the car that I drive, it's God's car. And the house that I live in, it's God's house. Well, actually, it belongs to the bank right now, but I'm working on that. Um, but, but if we take care of everything in that regard, and that's our mindset, that, hey, my life is not mine, because the Bible goes on and it says, for ye are bought with a price, uh, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And so if we think about the fact that, hey, God paid for our life, and everything that I have and everything that I am ultimately belongs to God, and I ought to manage it like it belongs to God. 
and take good care of it. So we understand that. And so I want this idea of stewardship to be brought out in this passage. I think that it's prominent in this passage. But I also, the idea here of work obviously comes out in this passage. We live in a very lazy society. I don't know if you've noticed that. Well, I know many probably have noticed that. But if you're not in the world and you're not working with uh, the world, uh, listen, you might not realize and recognize just how lazy society has gotten. I mean, it, it just is. Uh, there, I'm, I'm forever hearing about uh, a lack of employment my every week. Every week for the, the past month, my, I put my trash out on Monday night. And Tuesday, the trash is supposed to come. And Tuesday comes and Tuesday goes and the trash doesn't come. And on Wednesday, or usually Tuesday or maybe Wednesday, I don't recall now, uh, they always call my phone. And it's an automated message. And it says, due to labor shortage, we have not got by to get your trash. We apologize for that. Please leave it out and we will be by uh, hopefully tonight. And if we don't make it tonight, we will be by tomorrow morning to get your trash. And sure enough, every day they come a day late. And, and, and so uh, what's that about? It's there's people just don't want to work. And you know what it boils down to? It goes back to this old saying, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man how to fish, you will feed him for a lifetime. And what our government has done is give a man a check and you will feed him for a week and uh, give a man a job and you'll feed him for a lifetime. Instead, many people are just sitting back and taking the check and saying, man, I don't have to work. And the Bible does not advocate laziness. We know that. We've been through that. Proverbs chapter 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Uh, and we've looked at the idea of work. But he's going to deal specifically with the idea of working uh, to, to uh, take care of yourself. And it's such an important aspect that I, I believe we'll see that in our text. So Proverbs 27. and verse 23, the Bible says... Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation? The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. Thou shalt have goats' milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance for thy maidens. And let's stop there and, uh, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you would uh, use me. God, I pray that you'd speak through me. I pray that you would bless uh, each and every person, Father, that's here, each and every person that's tuned in online and listening, Father, to the message. God, that you'd be honored and glorified and that you'd be lifted up in every part of it. And God, help us to be workers and help us to be good stewards of what you've given us in this lifetime. And Father, we'll thank you for that. God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Before I get any further, I need to say this. Um, I had it right at the top of my, my notes. I hand wrote it in there and, uh, and I, I didn't say it. I totally forgot. And I flipped the page and I saw it. And I said, I didn't say that. Um, uh, on Sunday, I have to apologize real quick for our live stream people. None of you guys here would know that, but uh, uh, our live stream didn't go out. I, for whatever reason, I don't know. Technical problems, it just didn't go out. So 
perhaps you tuned in on Sunday, and we have, we have people that tune in regularly uh, on live stream, and they tried to tune in, I'm sure, and uh, there was nothing. I mean, for Sunday school, not for Sunday morning, not for Sunday night, zilch, nada went out. Uh, and so I noticed we had a lot of call-ins, uh, but I didn't know why until Monday when I came in and I was checking everything, and I'm like, wait a minute, we don't have a live stream for Sunday. So I apologize if you're out there in the digital world and you tried to tune in on Sunday and we weren't there. Um, it happens. And sometimes, hey, we can't help things. So uh, I do apologize that if that was the case, all right? So we do try and stay on top of all that. But uh, back to our text, working and being diligent. Uh, we find here in, in verses 23 and 24, I want you to notice works diligence. Works diligence. Uh, that's the, the diligent side of work. Look at what he says there in verse 23. He says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. Now I have to ask this because I don't know. Does anybody in here, uh, by, by raise a hand, does anybody have sheep? Does anybody a, a sheep have sheep ran or sheep rancher? What do you call somebody who has sheep? I don't know, sheep herder. A shepherd, yeah, but what would you call their flocks? A sheep rancher? I don't know. Does anybody know sheep? Does anybody have goats? No goats? I didn't think anybody did. I don't, I, you never know. I don't always know, but uh, I didn't think so. So you may not understand all of this passage, but, but I, will, I will say this. I was reading today and it was very interesting. He says, let's go back and reread it. He says, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks. That would be your, your sheep. And look well to thy herds. And that could refer to cattle. It could refer to goats. And uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a cattle rancher. And I'm not a sheep herder or shepherd. And, and I don't have goats or anything of that nature. Uh, but I was reading and I found it quite interesting. One of the top, um, I don't know the right word. Guy, shepherd, but it's, that's not the right word uh, for, for a guy who keeps a bunch of sheep um, uh, or has a bunch of sheep. I want to say rancher. I don't know if that's right. But uh, he had, he had, he's in New Zealand. He's one of the top, I mean, world-renowned Britain gave him some kind of medal for uh, being the best person with sheep and things of that nature. And, and he, was, he wrote about sheep and he, and he noted a few things that I found very interesting uh, about those sheep. One of the things that he noted was that uh, sheep are extremely dumb animals. He said they're one of the most unintelligent animals. He said when they, 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 they wander, he said they're one of the few animals that actually can get lost within sight of their fold. That blew me away. I was like, I can actually relate to that. I'm pretty bad with directions. And I could relate to that. But they're one of the few animals that within sight of their sheepfold can actually get lost and they wander around baying saying, hey, they're not just the fact that they're lost. Most animals, when they're, uh, when they're frightened or concerned, I mean, man, they're going to run, they're going to flee, they're going to do something. Uh, but a sheep will call out and let everyone in the world know, hey, I'm all alone and I'm lost. Mr. Wolf, come eat me. I mean, uh, that's pretty much what they do. They just, they just let the entire world know uh, that they are lost and they have no idea where they're at. The other thing he said was sheep will wander around and they will eat food. Uh, they'll eat the grass, the pasture where they're at, but they don't have any ability to detect another pasture or, or better food. Uh, and that kind of amazed me. He said they would just, you know, that's why in Bible times the shepherd would have to lead the sheep 
to the next pasture and, and, and graze them there and then take them to the next pasture because they really have no ability to be able to just wander around. Matter of fact, he said this. He said, if a sheep left to themselves, they will actually eat stuff that is bad for them and will harm them. I found that interesting. And so uh, he's saying, listen, they're, 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 uh, they're very needy animals. They require a lot of attention. And, uh, and he said there, uh, there's a lot of qualities that he brought out that were just very interesting about sheep. And the Bible says here, and we would not know that because we don't, we don't have sheep. We don't, that's not something we keep. But he says here, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks. In other words, uh, in, our, in our modern day terminology, you don't have sheep. But you ought to know and you ought to pay attention to the things that you do have. You know what I was thinking about is animals, they can't tell you necessarily when something's wrong. They don't say, uh, hey, you know, I got a headache. Could we go a little slower? Hey, my, my hoofs are, are hurting and I need to rest for a while. I mean, they don't let you know those kind of things. You've got to be attentive to that animal and know what is going on with it. And to bring that into modern day vernacular, uh, listen, your car might not always tell you my tires are low. Well, you all got those modern cars with the TMPS, whatever those things are that tell you that they're low. But sometimes they might fail. So you never know. I mean, you got to be in tune. you got to be attent to what is going on uh, with your things. And that's kind of the idea. He's saying, listen, whatever your job, whatever your work, whatever your responsibility is, that you ought to be paying attention to those things and be diligent about it and notice those. Uh, 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 it's interesting here as I read this, it was brought out that Solomon was actually the son of a king, King David, of course. But David, before he was a king, you know what he was? He was a shepherd. He spent a lot of time in the fields with the sheep. I'm sure he talked a lot with Solomon about those sheep. I'm sure there was a lot of lessons that David gave to Solomon about, uh, about being a shepherd and about taking care of those animals and about, about uh, protecting them. And that's another thing they brought out about the sheep was that they, they really are not very good at protecting themselves. Matter of fact, they said if an animal comes and attacks them, uh, many times out of just sheer fear, they'll just lay right down and just wait to die. Because they don't really have a good defensive system. And so he's saying, hey, you ought to be aware of what is going on with your sheep and with the state of your flocks. You ought to be attentive and you ought to be diligent about things that you possess. That's kind of the idea of what he's saying. And he goes on in verse, the second part of that verse, and look well to thy herds. Uh, listen, it requires attention. Not only does it require attention, it requires involvement. Sometimes we're tempted uh, just to delegate everything out. Well, you do this, you do that. You do this and you do that. And, and if you delegate everything out, uh, listen, sometimes you won't really know what's going on. I'm not advocating everyone work on cars. I, I understand if, if that's not your ability, but it, it is my ability. And I kind of enjoy it a little bit sometimes, as long as I can fix it. But there's times, why do I, one thing I like about working on my car is I might go in there and I might see something else. Oh, look, that hose is cracked and it's about to break. And you know what? I won't wait for it to break. I'll go ahead and fix it. I might take it to a mechanic 
It's not his car. He might see that hose is cracked, but he doesn't care. It's not his car. He might fix what I told him to fix and say, there you go. Charge me my money and send me on my way. Uh, why? Because it's, it's not his. He's not being diligent. It's, it's, he doesn't have the concern. And what so, the Bible is saying and what Solomon is saying is that, hey, we ought to be diligent about whatever work that we're given to do. Be diligent. Know the state of your flocks. Know the, the, the herd and, and, and pay attention and be diligent. Diligent seems like it's a lost art today. Seems like people are, uh, they'll just do the bare minimum to get by on anything. And so Solomon is advocating, and the Bible is advocating, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. Verse 24, Those are the, that's the requirement of works diligence, is, is the attention and the involvement that's there. Look at verse 24 and we see works diligence. We see the reason for that diligence. Look at verse 24. He says, for riches are not forever. Riches will disappear. You know, everything that you own tends to wear out, break, or go bad. And if it doesn't, somebody's trying to steal it. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Everything you own is going to wear out. Isn't that encouraging tonight? You say, man, I'm glad, that, I'm glad I came to church tonight for that. Uh, everything you own, it just it does. It wears out. It breaks. Uh, that's just the nature. Somebody was said something last, last week or, or maybe it was Sunday night, and, and, uh, and they said, do you know what's wrong with it? I said, I know what's wrong with it. It's a car. And something's going to go wrong with it because it's something that you use on a regular basis and they just wear out. That's just what happens to things and they, things break. And uh, if not, then it's probably gold and somebody's trying to steal it. And that's just the nature of things. And so what he's saying is, listen, as, if you maintain and if you take care of things, you can kind of get a little more life out of things. And I thought about this verse in Matthew 6.19. Obviously, we can, look at, we can think about this. Uh, this whole chapter kind of pertains a lot to Matthew 6. But it says in Matthew 6.19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth or rust doth corrupt or where thieves break through to, and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And listen... Riches here on this earth, they're going to disappear. Riches and, and possessions, they're going to wear out. And, and things that we own. Uh, but listen, there is something greater up in heaven that's not going to wear out. Hey, the moth is not going to eat it up. The, the rust is not going to rust it out. Uh, no thieves are going to break through and steal the treasures that we can lay up for in heaven. Uh, but we, we need to be diligent about the work that we're doing. We need to be careful. And the reason is because, listen, nothing lasts forever. And we ought to take care of what we do have. That's talking about that stewardship, being careful of those things. Um, in Peru, we had uh, moth. I, I don't I know what a moth is. I've never seen in America a moth eaten garment. Now, maybe you have. I just I haven't. Uh, but in Peru, we had these little bugs. They were called polia. And I don't know what that is in English, so don't ask me to tell you. I don't know. But it was a little bug, and, uh, and they would eat right through a book. I was amazed. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. You'd, you'd open up a book, and there'd be a hole all the way through it. It wasn't really a termite. It was, I don't know what it was. It was a polia. That's what it was. 
And he would eat right through that book. And I, a lot of the books, they had, they had them on a bookshelf with glass over top of it so that the polia could not get in there and eat. And I was just amazed at that. And I was reminded of these verses that, listen, uh, whatever you have, if, hey, if you don't take care of things, if you're not careful with the things that you own, hey, it can just be destroyed in a matter of, of, of a little bit of time. And so the reason for diligence is because nothing, possessions, do not last forever. Look at what he says in the second half of that verse. He says, And doth the crown endure to every generation? I found that interesting. He talks about riches, but then he talks about power as well. You know, kings tend to fade off the scene. You, you look at uh, how long was Saul king? He was king for just one generation. He died and all his sons died. And a new king, a new family was brought, and David was brought in as king. And how long really did David's reign last? You think about David. David was a king for quite some time. So, um, Solomon, his son, came up and reigned in his stead. And then after that, who was it? It was Rehoboam. You know what happened with Rehoboam? He didn't, he didn't listen to the elders. He listened to his friends. And the Bible says that the kingdom was rent from him. And, and, uh, and all of the other tribes, they went with a different king, Jeroboam. Bible says that made Israel to sin and a a different king. And then the kingdom was divided and you find different kings coming to the throne after that. And some lasted a while and some did not. What happened is powers fade. Doth the crown endure to every generation? And the answer to that question is no. Powers come and go. Hey, listen, uh, there's there's kingdoms that are set up and kingdoms that fall down. You can go through the Bible. I'm in my Bible reading and I'm reading through Ezekiel. And uh, it's a whole lot of uh, punishment that's being cast on, on different kings and things of that nature. And you find that, listen, they, they set up for a while and there was kingdoms. Uh, the Babylonians that were set up for a while and then they were cast down. And we find that the Romans reigned for quite some time and then eventually they were cast down. And what I'm saying is everything in this world, whether it's possessions or whether it's power, is temporal. But God is eternal. And we ought to understand that everything that we have is eventually going to disappear. We ought to be diligent while we're here on this earth. But we ought to be more diligent about the things that are eternal with God and the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Because uh, those are going to last forever. We see works diligence. Not only do we see works diligence, but I want you to notice on a practical level, verse 25 works duty in verse 25. He says, The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. He says there in verse 25 that uh, the hay and the grass, they grow. Now, you know if you planted a garden, or if you planted anything this, this spring, you plant something, but do you physically make it grow? No. You actually don't have any control whatsoever on whether it grows. I remember, uh, I've told this before, but as a a kid in in New Mexico, uh, it was real sandy down there, and and we decided, my dad wanted to plant a garden, so uh, I think he just wanted to work for us boys to do, and so, uh, so we went out and we planted the garden, and we planted potatoes. And the potatoes, the, you know, they, they grew up really good. And, and we went out to harvest those things and we're digging around and, and we couldn't, finally we found one. It was the size of a pea. 
And we, we harvested, I don't know, 10 potatoes or 20 potatoes, and they were all the size of a pea. It was the smallest potato I had ever seen in my life. And, uh, and we actually, we only had enough for one pot. We mixed peas and potatoes in one pot, and they were the same size. It was kind of the weirdest thing I ever saw. But, but what happened? Uh, the, what happened was we can't make it grow. We planted it. We watered it. It came out of the ground. But I tell you what, there wasn't no roots there. There was no fruit that was any good. And, and we're not in control of actually making fruit come. That's God's job. Now you can plant it. You can water it. That's what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians. He said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And he was talking about spiritual things. But listen, it's just as true for physical things. You can plant all you want. You can water and weed and you can get miracle grow if you want. But if God's finger is not on it, it's not going to grow. And it's not going to produce anything. And, uh, or maybe the bugs will come through. And what I'm saying is God has His part to do His responsibility to make sure that it produces. Uh, and listen, He will do His part. Um, look with me. Also, you, you see there in verse 26 that he was talking about the lambs for clothing. Listen, you can feed that lamb and you can water that lamb and you can protect that lamb, but you can't make that lamb's wool grow. That's just not possible. Uh, and listen, uh, so God does that. That's God's part. And there's some, sometimes people want to pretend that God doesn't have anything to do with their life. They think, well, I've gone to work and I've earned my own living. Listen, who gave you health to be able to go to work? And some people want to remove God completely out of the picture. One of the things that I, uh, uh, I learned as a missionary is that we have a very, in America, we're heading towards a very scientific mindset. You can see it in the media today. I mean, what's the big thing they're always saying? Follow the science. Follow the science. That's what they're all saying. Uh, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7. I want you to see this in the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 12. Save your spot in Proverbs. We'll be back there. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse number 12. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse number 12, God is proclaiming a huge blessing upon the Israelites. And He's telling them, listen, uh, that if they'll follow His word, that He's going to bless them beyond measure. Look what He says in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse number 12. He says, Wherefore it shall come to pass, if, there's the condition, if ye hearken to these judgments, and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. And he's about to lay it out for them in verse 13. Read along with me in verse 13. And he, and he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. And he will also bless the fruit of thy womb and the fruit of thy land, thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, the increase of thine kind and the flocks of thy sheep and the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. He's saying, listen... I am going to bless the fields that they'll produce. I am going to bless the sheep that they will grow and that they'll be healthy. Look with me in verse 14. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male nor female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. 
Now, did you understand what was said in there? God himself promised the nation of Israel, I'm going to make your fields produce. I'm going to make your flocks produce. I'm going to make uh, your, your uh, things that you're working on, uh, they're going to prosper if you keep my commandments. All the way back in, in verse number 13 where he started. And he goes on and he says, listen, I'm going to make it so that you're able to reproduce. Not only that, but I'm going to put my hand upon you and protect you from sickness. That's what it said. That you won't have all the evil diseases of Egypt upon you. That's what God said. Now, either God has control of sicknesses and of fruits and of fields and of, of animals and all of those things, or God does not. And so many people want to say, well, it's, it's all science. Here's the seed. You put it in the ground, you water it, and it's going to grow. Not if God doesn't want it to. God has a way of multiplying things. God has a way of protecting things, even as far as disease. And what I'm saying is, this is God's part, and God is able to do His part. Go back with me to Proverbs chapter number 27, because so many people want to remove God from the equation and say, listen, I can live independently of God, and I can do whatever I want, and I can still uh, provide for myself. They've never read Hosea chapter, uh, or Hosea, maybe it's Haggai, Haggai chapter number 2 where it says uh, they earn and they put it in a bag with holes in it and they don't have enough for this and they don't have enough for that because God has made it disappear and made it not go as far. And I'm saying that that is God's part. He will do His part. Look back with me in Proverbs 27 and verse 25. The Bible says in the second part of verse 25, and herbs of the mountains are gathered. He said, let's go back and read the verse. The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered. I read that word, and I thought, yeah, God makes the hay grow. Yes, God makes the grass grow. Yes, God makes the herbs to grow. But you know what? He still requires us to go out and gather it. You know, God does not expect mankind to be lazy. He does not. Does God, does God bless? Yes, God blesses. Does God make things grow? Yes, God makes things grow. Can God bless the flocks and the herds and make them all uh, produce well and be healthy and, and have thicker fur or uh, give even more milk? Yes, God can do all of those things. But God still expects man to do his part. Go back with me. You don't have to go in your Bible, but in your mind. Go back with me uh, to the nation of Israel after they had come out of, of uh, bondage in Egypt and after they've crossed the Red Sea. And along about chapter 15, I think it was, they were singing a, a song of victory having come across the Red Sea and I believe it was in chapter 16 that they started to complain and said God there's no food what are we going to do and God sent manna in the wilderness and what did God tell them to do go out and collect it now let me ask you something if God created manna to show up in the wilderness could not have God created manna to show up in their tents and in their cupboards and in their refrigerator? I mean, could they not have just gone to the refrigerator, opened it up, and boom, it was full of manna every single day? And the answer is yes, God could have done that. Did God do that? No. God made it fall out in the, out in the fields. Why? 
And he said, you go pick up and you work and you get your food. Did God make their work easier? Yes, he certainly did. All they had to do was go out and get it. And what I'm saying is God will multiply and God will do his part. But God still requires man to do his part just as much as God will do his part. And listen, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter number nine and verse number 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. In other words, work. And do your part. Work hard. And do what's your responsibility. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says, And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Paul was dealing with the people in Thessalonica that they didn't want to work. And listen, today people don't want to work. Listen, God requires work. There's works duty. There's works diligence. Be diligent in the work. And then I want you to see, lastly, look with me in verse number 27. He says, and thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maidens. I want you to notice not only works diligence and works duty, but I want you to notice works delivery. Work is, is a four-letter word, but it's not a dirty word. Most of society, they think it is a dirty word and they've perverted everything. They don't even know what dirty words are because they use them all the time. But they're scared of work. Work's not a dirty word. And, and the Bible is very clear that, hey, God will provide. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 11, he that tilleth his land uh, shall be satisfied with bread. God knows what needs we have. And if, if you're going to work, then God's going to provide. And, and you know that as well as I do. I'm not looking at uh, a bunch of lazy people that don't work. I'm looking at a lot of people that have spent an invested a lifetime of work. But listen, there's generations coming up behind us that don't know what work is in all reality. And many of them don't work. And listen, God knows the needs that we have. And he's saying here that uh, he says, listen, if you'll be diligent about your work, if you'll do the duty of your work, then listen, that work will deliver and thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food. You say, well, I don't like goat's milk. Well, you can you can you can pass on God's uh, God's delivery if you want. But I'll just take what God provides. We were preaching on contentment earlier. And I'll be content with what God gives me. We need to learn contentment. And that God will provide thy food. God will take care of you. God will provide for you. God, uh, God does expect you to work. Uh, we talked about Thessalonica. And uh, listen, the, the Bible goes on in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. It says, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. I think they had a laziness problem in Thessalonica. And, uh, and Paul dealt with that. And he said, listen, it's important to work. Not only does God provide for your food, but look at what he goes on and he says, and the food of thy household. God knows that you have children to take care of if you have children. God knows who you need to take care of. I remember when, uh, when I had first gotten married and one of the things that weighed heavy on my mind is uh, I thought, man, if, you know, when I was, when I was single, if, 
If I needed to eat a peanut butter and jelly for lunch, I didn't care. I'd eat a peanut butter. And if I didn't have a peanut butter and jelly for lunch, I really didn't care. I just, hey, it was okay. But when I got married, there's suddenly this responsibility. It's okay if I don't eat, but it's not okay if my wife doesn't eat. And it wasn't very long before uh, two kids came along and, and were starting deputation. And I'm thinking, uh, my oh my, I felt a great weight of responsibility. You know, I don't care if I don't eat, but man, I, I've, I do need to feed these. And listen, what God is saying is, listen, you do your part. God will do his part and he will supply enough for your family. Can I tell you something? 21, 22, 23 years later that we have never missed a meal. And God has always taken care of us. And I'm saying this, if you'll work, if you'll be diligent, if you'll do your duty, God will do his part and he'll take care of you and you'll have enough food and you'll have enough food for your household, he says. But he goes on, it just gets better than that because he goes on and he says, uh, and for the maintenance for thy maidens. Now, what does that mean? Maidens uh, means many things, but one of the things it can mean in the Bible is the workers uh, that you have. In Bible times, it was not uncommon to have maids that would come and they would help and they'd work in your house and they would help take care of things. And what he's saying is, listen, not only will I provide for your needs and not only will I provide for your family's needs, but I'll also provide for those that are working for you. And God will provide if you'll be diligent about the work, if you'll be diligent about the duty of your work and and work will deliver and God will make sure of that. I heard this quote and I like this quote. I'll close with this. Pray. As if everything depended upon God, but work as though everything depended upon you. I'll never forget. We had kids in college and I, I love college. Don't take it wrong. Well, I think going to college is a wonderful time to learn how to stand on your own two feet and learn how to depend upon God. But I remember kids in Bible college and and, and at dorms, in the dorms at night, we'd have devotions and they'd say, pray for me that I'd find a job. Pray for me that I'd find a job. Okay, we'll pray for you that you'll find a job. And the next day, you know, the next week, pray for me that I'll find a job. Well, just make up a name. Franco. Nobody has Franco's name. Franco, how many, how many applications have you filled out? Well, None. Buddy, I ain't praying for you. If you're not going to get out there and, and fill out applications, I ain't praying for you. You pray. Maybe your faith's greater than mine. Pray as if everything depended upon God, but work as though everything depended upon you. Don't be lazy. And don't deny your responsibility. Do your part. And ask God. God will do his, God's faithful. God's not going to fail you. He'll do his part. You don't have to worry about him. You have to worry about you most of the time. Because we're the ones that fail. We're the ones that mess up. But you do your part. And I promise you, God will do his part. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we stand to our feet. The stewardship of work. God, I pray that you'd help us. God, I know that sometimes it's not easy to depend upon somebody else. But God, I do know this, that you're always faithful.
and that you'll always take care of us. And God, we should not excuse our part. We ought to do our part. There's no doubt about it. So God, I pray that you'd encourage each and every person to continue to be 